This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello. Welcome to the broadcast. And just like the announcer said, this is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Nice to have you along for the ride today. Thanks to Michael Pelka. You know, this is the pregame show uh, for this one. The big show is happening right now. And then, uh, you know, we wind down with uh, Lawrence Jones and Mike Slater. I mean, you're here prime time on the Jeff Fisher Show. If you want to participate, you can dial 888-900-3393 is the phone number. You can follow me on Twitter, at JeffyMRA, Instagram, at JeffyMRA, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Now, how many... Look, we've all flown. We've all been frustrated by trying to get on the plane going through security. And we've been frustrated trying to get off the plane. Uh, you know, my, my favorite story is, uh, you know, we were going to catch a flight. So they said, if you're catching a flight, uh, you can get off. And so we stood up and then the, the flight attendant says, well, we've got to disembark the plane. Everybody get off. And so everybody stands up and you're stuck. You're like, wait, 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 wait. I got to get off of this thing, but you're stuck. Right. I mean, you're in, you're in an airplane full of people. It's full. Trust me. They fly them full now. That's why there's a lot less flights. They overbook. And they fill them up. So when I now know that the reason they did that to myself and my family in Phoenix, Arizona, American Airlines, not that I remember the entire freaking story, they had already, they'd already booked the seats on the plane that I was supposed to catch. So they didn't want me on time. They wanted me to wait and catch another flight. And I almost made it. Man, I well, I didn't I don't run, but I mean I walked fast to the to the gate. And as I turned the corner, I mean you, I, I've told you this story before, and I'm still so angry about it, I can't see straight when I think about it. I turned the corner and the the airline lady looks at me and closes the door. I about flipped. 
And I was like, no. No, 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 no. And my wife is like, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be in jail. There's no question. And then we went to the, and I, and I, and I love my wife for this because she's like, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of this. And then we went around to the American Airline office and can we help you? I don't know. Can you? Can you get me on that plane up over? And what? Just, just relax. Don't mind him. He's fine. I, I could have strangled someone. I would be in jail. Anyways, I digress. So you know the feeling when you're on the plane and you're ready to disembark, and you're not supposed to. Hey, you're not supposed to undo those seat belts or get up until they tell you. Because the plane could still move. And I've actually had that happen once uh, as well. You, you pull up and you're almost at the gate and everybody, you know, everybody clips the seatbelts off and starts standing up and getting their stuff. But the pilot had not quite had it just right at the gate, so he's got to uh, give the quick break up to the gate a little bit, another three or four feet. bunch of people butt smashed their skulls in, man. It was really funny. Anyway, because he told you, uh-uh. I had a bus driver do that to me, too. Shortstop me when I was a little kid, almost poked my eye out. In today's world, I would own that school district. Back then, I got off the bus. I'm bleeding. My mom was like, what happened? He stood up before I stopped the bus. Oh, well, I guess you shouldn't do that, huh? Get in the house. Let's clean your eye up. Well, I could be blind here. I hate that bus driver. He shortstopped me all the time. He knows. We lived on a dead-end road on a farm. He dropped me off. Did I stop. We're here. It's my house. So he shortstops me. Ugh. So we all get frustrated on a plane trying to get off, right? So I see the story of this lady who was even more frustrated uh, trying to get off the plane. It's a full plane. There is video. I'll, I'll tweet the video. But she is, well, she uses language that, you know, if you're on a plane, look, you're supposed, there's all, you know, there's, there's other people. You're supposed to have a little bit of respect for the other human beings. I know a lot of people don't in today's world. She, however, uh, is in Colorado. She's landed. She wants to get off the plane. And there's, there's two guys, one guy in the middle and one guy on the window seat that start videotaping her on the phone, and they are dying laughing. They are dying because this girl is wound up. And she begins with, I'm upset. Get off the plane. You want to know why? I have tumors, and I'm in a lot of pain. Wait. And I got I to gotta go. I got to get gotta out of go. here. But I'm in pain, so I don't care who you are. Don't talk to me like you know me. Get off of here. Let's go. So immediately she's stuck and she's, you know, look, I know that you're supposed to, you know, at least you're supposed to be angry and be quiet. But when you have tumors and you're bleeding, I mean, you want to get off the plane. You do. And uh, so she continues. Like I'm bleeding down my leg. I have blood going down my my leg. Get off the plane. I got to go to the hospital. Let's go. I'm being nice. So there you hear the two guys laugh. I mean, they are dying. She is right there, man, in the aisle right there. And they, you, if I'm them, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not saying anything. I'm just recording. And that's what they do. 
Yes, I do. I have tumors. I'm bleeding. Do you want to see it? Y'all want to see it? You want to see the blood going down my leg right now? Matt knows. I need to get to the hospital so I can patch myself up. I need to go. I need to patch myself up. Somebody had to get off this plane. Please get off this plane. Now, she's still, she she's all wound up. Now, they're still waiting in line. She still has not moved one iota of this airplane. They have not opened, they have not opened the plane door to get off yet. You don't. So guess what? I'm not, I'm not being open. I'm bleeding all over my vagina. Blood, straight blood all over this. Come on now. And she's all over this. And this. she's talking to the people on the other side of the aisle. And so there's a couple, you know, the guy in front of her is just standing there. And he is stone cold still, man. I mean, he doesn't want to turn around. He doesn't want to engage. He just wants to get off this plane. I mean, he wants, you can tell he's standing there with his arms crossed in the aisle saying to himself, don't turn around, don't look her in the eye, don't turn around, don't look her in the eye, don't shrug, don't laugh, just please open the plane, let us get off this plane, please just go, let us get off this plane. And it continues. There are children on this plane. Stop it right there. Now, the lady is wound up, and I can't quite tell if it's a a flight attendant or if it's just another lady that's up a ways, you know, turning around, because this lady is now going to engage. She's all wound up. Ever since we got on this plane, you were eyeing me like you, somebody. You so I think, stop right there. See, now I think that makes me think that it's the flight attendant. Because ever since I got on this plane, you've been eyeing me. It started from the, that clip from the very beginning again. That is fantastic. So it's got to be the flight attendant, right? Because ever since I got on this plane, you've been eyeing me. There are now, children on guess this what? plane. You? Ever since we got on this plane, you were eyeing me like you, somebody. You want to talk to me? No. You want to talk to me when you got on this plane? We can talk. Because we can tell you want to go? Because we can talk, we get off this plane. Oh, we have to hear that clip again. That's fantastic. Put that back to the beginning. Ever since we got on this plane, you've been eyeing me? You've been looking at me? You want to go? That's that's fantastic. There are children on this plane. You? Ever since we got on this plane, you were eyeing me like you, somebody. You want to talk to me? No. You want to talk to me when you got this plane? We can talk. That is fantastic. Okay, so we're still not moving, right? We are still stuck on this plane, man. They are Please, the guy in front of her. Please, dear Lord, open the door. Do not engage. Do not engage. Do not turn around. Please, open the door. Please, please. And it continues. We all around them. does not need to listen Guess to what? You. I learned. Knock it off. Can you do me a favor? Ah. Turn around and get off the plane so we can get off? Because that's my whole goal. That's Stop right my- there. Now, she has a point. All right, she does have a point there. Now, while she has been using other language in some, some parts of this clip that I'm not airing on this broadcast, you'll be able to listen when I tweet it out at JeffyMRA. But to be fair... Her whole thing is, get me off of this plane, okay? Now, she's engaged. She said she's, she's told us she has tumors. She told us she's bleeding from her vagina down her leg. She's willing to show. She's, so you got to think, you know, maybe she's not lying because she's willing to say, you want to look, you want to see, I'll show you. 
and she just wants to get off the plane. Now, in I got it in today's world where you kind of you're supposed to, you know, we can't say anything. We're on an airplane. We have to be quiet. We can't say anything. We could get in trouble. They're going to arrest you if you say anything at all against the flight, against the against the pilot, against anybody on the plane. You just have to sit there and be quiet. It's starting to get old. So I'm kind of on her side a little because she just wants to get off the plane. Now, she's annoying, but she's only annoying because 90% of the people on that plane stuck in that aisle are thinking, Dear Lord, she's right. Get us off this plane. Why are we just standing here? And you've, you've been on flights. I mean, I have. Where you're thinking, why, I mean, is the deal, and I'll tell you what happens is, A, the guy, you know, the TSA, not the TSA guy, but the, the air, airline guy doesn't show up at the gate. So they have to wait for the people to show up at the gate. So if they're busy or they're running to get a wheelchair, whatever, whatever they're doing, uh, you know, maybe they're on a smoke break. I don't know. But they have to wait for them to come and open the thing. So, you know, they're I'll give the airline people on the plane a little bit of a little bit of slack because they're frustrated as well. I mean, trust me, they want this lady off the plane too. Okay, so let's go back to the last clip where she is. Uh, she's still. Let's get off this plane. Get the hell off! Move, people! Move! Don't you think all these other respectful people? Watch your language, please. We have families and children on board. Okay, stop. Now, now the flight attendant is now the flight attendant is going to instead of engaging her face to face, pushing her way through the crowd, she's just going. I'm just going to talk on the microphone now to everyone on the plane. Watch your language. There's children on the plane. So she's trying to make everyone think that you know we are actually doing something. We're aware. We're aware of a tumor girl, and we're just letting you know. Not necessary to drop the F bomb. Okay. Then we've already called security. Already called security? See what I mean? Stop. Just a second. See what I mean? Now, while I'll give you that she was using the F bomb, uh, you know, and it you know, it's frustrated and she's, you know, she's a little overbearing, we'll say. Obnoxious. But She's kind of right. I'm kind of on her side. And why would you call security? She really has not done anything. She hasn't. I mean, the only person she said, <laughs> you ever since I got on this plane, you've been looking at me like you. I mean, she's kind of, you know, said to the flight attendant, she didn't threaten the flight attendant. She said, you want to go? Let's go. We can take this outside. <laughs> so come on now. I mean, their only recourse is, we, we, let's, we've alarmed security. But she just wants to get off the plane, right? She's got tumors and she's bleeding. See, at the end there, at the end, at the very end of the video, people are moving. I mean, you can see the guy in front of her go, thank God. We're moving. Well, thank God. And so it was moving. And, and she was, here we go. Let's go. We're moving. Let's go. I mean, it's fantastic. And we've all been frustrated like that. I'd be fascinated to know what security did. I got to try to hunt her down or try to follow up on the story because that, that's too much work though. I'll just wait for somebody else to do it. Then I'll read about it. Um, I'd be fascinated to know actually what happened to her. If they, if security actually did anything or if she just said, I just want to get off the plane. 
You know, the people, I mean, the people on the plane have got to be kind of on her side, right? I mean, they're they're obviously upset because she's been all she's all wound up and she's got hollering and using the F bomb. I got it. Oh somebody used the F word. Oh my gosh. We've never heard that word before. I mean, stop it. Stop it. But we're going to be playing a couple more clips uh, of her repeating her on the airplane because we just want to get off the plane. Okay, All the airline companies that are listening to this, and I know you listen. I know you do because you want me to say something nice about you. <laughs> get us off the plane. Okay, Pull us in. You know you stick us in. You park us on that damn tarmac for an hour pretending that well, uh, we're backed up on the tarmac. Uh-huh. So these are going to miss that connecting flight because we were stuck on the tarmac, not because we overbooked and we're just sitting out here to make sure that the other plane is filled up before we let you off. So let's go, people. I just want to get off this plane. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Two thousand seventeen is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. The Jeff Fisher Show. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Clip one. I'm upset. Get off the plane. You want to know why? I have tumors and I'm in a lot of pain and I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. But I'm in pain, so I don't care who you are. Don't talk to me like you know me. Get off of here. Let's go. That is fantastic. Don't, don't talk to me like. Let's get off the plane. That's all I want to do is get off the plane. There are now, children on guess this what? Plane. You, ever since we got on this plane, you were eyeing me like you, somebody. You want to talk to me? No. You want to talk to me when you got on this plane? Because we could talk. That's close to, uh, you know, I, I got it. She probably, you know. 
I mean, she was only saying we could talk. Talk to me. We could talk. You know, the inflection is, you know, we're going to fight. I got it. I know. That's not what she said. That's not what she said. So a good attorney. I mean, you got tumors, you're bleeding, and all you said was, oh, you want to talk to me? Because we could talk. Uh, you know, she's good. Be fascinated. I want to know if security. But look, airlines. You know, look, am I afraid to fly? No, I love flying. I mean, it's a great mode of transportation. But you've got planes coming into DFW. I drive underneath them every day on uh, Interstate 114, two and three to a mule. You could, you cross 114. If you could, if you look out there, they've got two, sometimes three rows of planes landing, and they've got those rolled up in the sky. Okay, so please. All she wanted to do was get off the plane. That's it. And you know, here at DFW, I mean, DFW Airport is bigger than the island of Manhattan. So you taxi like a day. You land, and it's like, oh, we're finally made it to Dallas. An hour later, you make it to the terminal, okay, because you've taxied three counties just to get to the terminal. So, I mean, I I, I truly do understand the idea. Just want to get off this plane. And we've been taught now that we are not supposed to say anything. We're not supposed to say anything, right? We've been taught that. We've been taught that. So, I mean, I can understand why. I'm upset. Get off the plane. You know why? I have tumors and I'm in a lot of pain and I gotta, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I'm in pain, so I don't care who you are. Don't talk to me like you know me. Get off of here. Let's go. The Jeff Fisher Show is on. Welcome to it. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. So since we last chatted, we had uh, we had the Oscars on. Fantastic. Uh, no, they weren't. <laughs> they were absolutely agonizing. Uh, as we predicted, by the way, on this broadcast. It wasn't quite as bad um, but it was it was bad. And look, the ratings were way down, uh, even for the Oscars. I mean, they had, uh, I forget what, what was the number. The number was, uh, oh, well, why don't we just have him tell you, Jimmy Kimmel. Thank you. What I, what, what I want is to just have the ad start rolling and audio to start playing on my computer at all times. I love the way they have the website set up now. So that even sometimes... Even if you have your computer on mute, they know better. They know that, hey, your computer's on mute, but we know you want to hear it, so we're going to turn it up for you. Actually, they haven't done that yet. It's just me being an idiot having it turned on. But, I mean, it could happen, right? (laughs) So, the 89th Academy Awards... Uh, got uh, a 9.1 rating. All right, they have 32 million. That's a good crowd, though. Right? I mean, it's a good crowd for them, but way down. Uh, way down for them. Um, and I wonder why it could be. 
one it could be. Um, other shows like The Walking Dead, possible. Although The Walking Dead had, you know, good numbers, almost 11 million, and they're crying that their numbers are down. We had, we had 11 million people, but we're, our numbers are down. We're sliding. What can we do with our ratings? You're the number one cable television show by more than double. Shut up. Okay. And the Oscars, I mean, one of the things that could be an issue, it couldn't be that the Price Waterhouse guy who's giving out the awards is in the back tweeting and taking pictures with all the stars and then gives out the wrong envelope for the best picture award. Couldn't be that. That was probably their saving grace. Some would say they did that on purpose. (laughs) Just to get people talking about the stupid Oscars. Which, you know, I wouldn't be actually surprised. But it couldn't be that the best picture was, you know, none of the pictures. Actually, until after the Oscars, none of the pictures nominated had made $100 I think um, Arrival broke $100 million, but that was after the Oscars. So, I don't know. Nobody sees the movies you put on top. And Moonlight, okay, you know, great movie. I got I got it. Best picture? And Casey Affleck, oh, my gosh. You want to talk about best actor. Did, is the award actually at tonight's award for best boring actor of all time? Casey Affleck. Casey, come on up here and bore us with your speech, just like you bored us in that stupid movie Manchester by the Sea. Come on up here. I mean, come on. And I won't go through the... I mean, we can go through the whole list, but you know who won, who lost. You got it. I did finally see Hacksaw Ridge. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I... It wasn't worth best best picture. I mean, congratulations for being nominated, but that movie should not have won. Um, I heard an interview with Mel Gibson talking about uh, the story is great uh, on Hacksaw Ridge, absolutely tremendous, and it makes you during the movie you wish that you had something to believe in as much as this guy believed in uh, believed in the Lord and believed in what he was doing to save lives, but. I heard Mel say, we didn't put everything in the movie because everything, uh, some of the stuff that this guy did, nobody would have believed. You should have put it in, Mel. Okay, Because while the reports were that it was you know better than um, the, the Hanks, the Saving Private Ryan war scenes, I didn't think it was. Um, it was, you know, they were over the top and you saw the war scenes and maybe we've just become jaded now. Um, you know that we've seen we, everything we see looks real, and yeah, that looked real, but it didn't. It wasn't bad for us. It was it was another war? It was a war, th- a war movie. But it was, uh, you know, it was a good story, and I really, you know, enjoyed it. But better than Saving Private Ryan? I don't think so. That feeling that you get in Saving Private Ryan when they open the gates there at the, on the beach, and the and those guys start getting shot in the blood and the water and the beach. I mean, that—that that is, you know, one of the best war scenes ever. 
And what is it bad that uh, I watched the Oscars? And, I, and look, I watched The Walking Dead, and then I caught a little bit of Talking Dead. And I have to, I kind of have to do that because you know you can go to uh, um, theblaze.com slash radio, the Jeff Fisher Show, and we do a podcast every week, Talking Walking Dead. So we, you know, we review the show. Myself, uh, Brad Staggs, and Jason Buttrell. And uh, we do a vidcast of it as well, which you can get on uh, my Blaze channel. But, and then I went over to the Oscars and I caught some of that. And, and it was really just, I mean, agonizing what I watched. But it was sad that Bill Paxton had died. We got news that day that Bill Paxton had died at 61. And they, it was, you know, it was good they paid a, a separate, a, a special tribute to him. We did find out after that the one lady that they paid tribute to dying was the wrong lady. The name was the same, but the picture up there was the wrong lady. So that lady was like, I'm not dead. <laughs> but after the death roll of who all died that year, this year, this past year, which was actually pretty good. They had what's her face singing, uh, I really don't know clouds at all. And, you know, they show you the picture of all the people who died. Um, they played a Rolex commercial. Tremendous. The best thing about the best thing about the whole three and a half, eight hours of Oscars was the Rolex commercial. It doesn't just tell time. It tells history. And the Rolex commercial was all these actors in, in films, all these bits from films of the actors wearing Rolex watches. It was tremendous. And one of them, sadly, was Bill Paxton. So, I mean, you talk about good timing on Rolex's part. Oof. Or maybe bad timing. Not sure which. So, Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, reported that he is quitting Celebrity Apprentice. Now, I actually, for the first time, watched an episode of Celebrity Apprentice about a week and a half ago. My wife had it on, and I sat down, and I said, you know what? I need to sit through this. I need to actually watch an episode. Um, thank you for quitting, Arnold. I appreciate it, man, because that show was bad. But even though the ratings were not that great, they were still pretty strong for the way television ratings are in today's world. And they try to make a big deal about uh, this is what, okay, so earlier today, Donald Trump tweeted about this story, our president. Why did he tweet about this story? Because in the story, it doesn't just talk about Arnold ditching celebrity apprentice because of low ratings, blames Trump for low ratings. Movie star and former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, has called his involvement with President Donald Trump's former show, Celebrity Apprentice, done. After only one single that consistently brought in low attendance and bad reviews, the Terminator has decided to axe his hosting duties to the Celebrity Apprentice. The low ratings are said to be caused by the show's continued involvement with Trump, as the president still has an executive producer credit on the show. This may be in part due to a continued movement to boycott anything associated with Trump. When people found out that Trump was still involved as executive producer and was still receiving money from the show, then half the people boycotting it. Now, Arnold. Arnold. It's just between me and you, babe, okay? Should I call you governor? Mr. Universe? Whatever you'd like. Um, while that may be true, 
you were god-awful. You should have done something else. I don't know who told you it was a good job. Now, the flip side of that is so is Trump. (laughs) Okay? In the end, his ratings were just as bad as yours. In the beginning, the show was great. But that's what pissed President Trump off. And, of course, he had to get a hop on Twitter this morning and do a tweet storm about, I don't know, eight or nine tweets. But the last tweet, one of the last tweets, Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't voluntarily leaving The Apprentice. He was fired by his bad, in parentheses, pathetic ratings. Not by me. Sad end to a great show. <laughs> so... I mean, don't be saying, so even if it is Don's fault, he's not taking the heat for it. No way. And he probably shouldn't because the show was not that good. Uh, the show was not that good. And it really wasn't that good with Don either. I, mean, I, I don't know what to tell you, NBC, but, you know, I know the, I guess it's, I guess, I guess. And the cute little, the cute little Arnie saying his lines. I mean, stop with it, Arnold. Take a break. I'd be back. No, you won't. Show's cut, baby. You won't be back. Okay? You won't be back. And then I got sent a uh, a story. Have you you ever watched the show Naked and Afraid? Do you ever just watch it because you think, I don't care if they're afraid. I just want to see them naked. That's not me. I mean, other people do that. I would, man, I would not ever dream of doing that at all. So uh, Anastasia Ashley, if you don't know her, look her up. Follow her on Instagram, okay? Uh, she is uh, was on Naked and Afraid. Now, when you have someone like that on Naked and Afraid, it, it would tend to, I don't know, make some people tune in. And you think, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, no problem. Uh, she's a, you know, surfer, model, looks pretty good. <laughs> Can you be a surfer and a model and not look good? I, I, I doubt that. I doubt that very much. Well, the story is uh, she, you know, being naked and still alive. And by the way, she was naked and afraid. Um, she got bit by all these bugs. Now you think, duh. <laughs> A, you're naked in the in the jungles, okay. B, you're naked in the jungles, okay. So the bugs are like, hey, there's fresh meat. And I bet you that she probably, I don't know, took pretty good care of herself. So she probably didn't actually smell like dirt and mud when she went out into the out into the muck. So the bugs were like, "Hey, now that's some kind of body cream smell there. We're biting that." So anyway, she got thousands of bites from these sand flies that hatched, and there's a picture of it. it would not have been fun, and she kind of joked about it, saying that uh, that uh, the it hatched. And uh, they found her and thought that she was their host. (laughs) And it did not look good. I feel kind of sorry for her. But then at the moment that I'm feeling sorry for her, I think to myself, 
Hey, you were the one that went on naked and afraid. You're listening to The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network. Today in rock history, history, history. Did you know, sad day, sad day. John Candy died in 1994, today's date. He was 43. Country singer, comedian Minnie Pearl died. Howdy! At 84. If you don't know who Minnie Pearl is, go look it up. Okay. And in 2001, disco singer Glenn Hughes. You ask yourself, Glenn Hughes, the disco singer of the village people. Oh, I mean, it's so sad. He died at the age of 50. Glenn Hughes, is that the Indian? No, he's the man in leather. <laughs> okay, yeah. Now, how dumb do you feel? Now, you should have known that. Okay, that's right. And this is kind of fascinating to me that uh, Pink Floyd in 1973 launched a tour to support Dark Side of the Moon, right? I mean, an all-time classic album, forever. But their first show was in Madison, Wisconsin. That says a lot. Back then, it didn't mean anything. It was like, Madison, Wisconsin? University of Wisconsin? Pink Floyd? Today? Ah, commies on commies. Got it. Okay. Now you're making sense. Okay. And a story on Joe Biden's son. Do we have time to get it? This is a tremendous story on Joe Biden's son. I'll just blow through it really fast because we're going to talk about this again because uh, Vice President Joe Biden's youngest son, Hunter Biden, kicked out of the Navy Reserve in 2014 after testing positive for cocaine. Vice President Joe Biden's oldest son, Bo Biden, died. Oh, yeah, we know Bo died. Okay, we got to throw that in all the time because why he didn't run for president? It's because Bo died. He wasn't ready. Okay. Well, the estranged wife of former Vice President Joe Biden's youngest son, Hunter Biden, claims he squandered the couple's money on drugs, alcohol, and prostitutes. This guy's growing on me all of a sudden. What? In a court filing last week, Kathleen asked Washington, D.C. judge to order Hunter to stop spending our money. Stop it. Oh, no. Joe will give him some cash. Don't worry about it. Joe's like, do some blow. Here's some money. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The experiment was a success. Begin Life Force Reboot Program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hi. How in the world are you? Good to see you. Coming along for the ride today. Turn up a little bit of volume on my headset I'm wearing right now. So... I was looking at a ad for a broadcasting school that was having some kind of talk radio thing, and they had uh, they had 
two guys coming in, I guess are radio guys, to do a little talk radio workshop. And I thought, who the hell are they? So, I mean, I pay attention. Pay attention. You might learn something. You might learn something. There might be something up there them two boys to teach you. I'm not sure what that is, though. They could teach you something. I can't stop talking like this for some reason. So 888-900. No, 888-9-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-0-
But uh, look, look, they ain't everywhere. They're one of the largest criminal organizations in the United States of America. One of the largest, not the largest, one of the largest. And they ain't everywhere. I mean, they're only in 46 states in the District of Columbia. So there are some places that they ain't yet. These guys, horrible, bad, bad dudes. They cannot, uh, you know what, them boys, they, they can't be, they can't not be around soon enough. All right. I'll make sure we get that straight. They can't not be around soon enough. Take that with you. But this is not the only country that this happens in, okay? Unbelievable story out of Russia. I mean, it sounds like a, a you know a stupid Hollywood horror film. Four homeless men stagger into a remote forest clearing in the dead of night. The flickering firelight cast eerie shadows across a makeshift stone table. Yet, there is no sign of the cheap vodka they were promised to. Warm them from the freezing cold. Slowly, the truth starts to dawn on them. That's not a table. That's an altar. Their new friend who promised them free bottles of booze has a far more sinister plan. One by one, they are sacrificed on the altar. I mean, this guy is a whacked out of his mind. Um... These murders carried out by Arsen Barembikov. I think that's the way I think that's the way you pronounce it. And I just call it Ari. Arsi. Arsi. Arsen. Arsen Barinikov. He's a former police officer outside uh one of the uh oh my god, I gotta say this town. Outside let's just call it a remote Russian town, nine hundred miles east of Moscow. Varenka ya ya pushma. V e r k h n y a y a p y s m h a. That's just a remote Russian town, nine hundred miles east of Moscow. Now, he's a former police officer. He's accused of burying the bodies, then returning, digging them up, believing that the sacrifices had given him. The powers of the necromancer. The powers of the necromancer are upon me. He said he planned to use his victims to build his own zombie army. How'd that work out there for you, uh, Arcee? Oh, wait, it didn't. He kept trying to bring him back to life and didn't work. So... I guess the uh, cult powers of the necromancer doesn't work. Now, I mean, it's it's amazing, and he's actually—I mean, he's he's charged. He's dealing in firearms. He assassinated two businessmen, um, and he can't be criminally insane because he convinced them. Yeah, I'm fine. Wait, what? I am fine, and he. Got a plea bargain with the prosecutors for all of this? 12 years. Come on now. I mean, if you're that whacked out of your mind, 12 years. 12 years ain't that bad. Hell, I can do 12 years sitting on my hands. 
I'm right back to it. I, I still got bodies buried out there. I can bring them back to life after 12 years. Don't you worry about it. I know where they're buried. You don't. You got that? All right. Did you know that there are reportedly 400,000 professional occultists in Russia? <laughs> I, I mean, it's probably, it's probably the same here, though, about, really, when you think about it. I mean, the MS-13 guys, that's all satanic rituals, right? I mean, that's they believe in all that stuff. So 400, but here in the, I don't know how many professional occultists we have. I don't know if you, do you need a license for that? Look that up. See if you actually need a license to be an occultist. Because well, there's the new show on Hulu too, right? Uh, uh, ow! That's the stupid new show of the card reader and the Greek mobsters on Hulu. And that's what they are. They're, they're uh, occultists. They're like gypsies. That's a stupid show. Look, you definitely need to look that up. Look it up on Hulu original program, Hulu original programming. And it's, uh, it's uh, shoot, what's the name of that show? I've watched a couple episodes of it. It's, it's okay. Not bad. Um, still got quite a ways to go yet. But, I'm, you know, it's worth if you got nothing else to watch, it's worth to sit down and watch it. So 400,000 professional occultists in Russia fueling back a black magic black market $24 billion a year. I mean, that's a pretty big black magic black market. Right? And authorities are starting to get pissed. They're like, uh, we believe that uh, this could possibly be a bigger threat to national security than Islamic extremism. <laughs> wow. I mean, that, is, that is something else. In the same year, uh, this is back in 2008, a devil-worshipping gang of cannibals were still in Russia. We're st- still in Russia. Murdered four teenagers, stabbing them. 666 times. I love the story. A number that is revered by Satanists. Anna Gorkova, Olga Pukova. I can't say these names. I can't. I'm sorry. I apologize. All right. They were all 16 and 17 when they went missing. Horrible. And they went missing in a region 300 miles northeast of Moscow. So homeboys, what, 900 miles? So it's, you know, a little bit closer to Russia, a little bit closer to Moscow. They were forced to drink alcohol, attacked. I mean, their body part. We'd take some of them near body parts, roast them up over the fire. You know. Then, what the heck? We're 300 miles from the city. We might as well eat them. I mean, bad. Bad people. Bad people. And the one guy, uh, when he was arrested, he said, I I dug up the one girl, I ate her heart. Mm. Man, does that sound good. And uh, when asked why he did it, I tried to turn to God, but it didn't bring me any money. I prayed to Satan. Things improved. Think about it. This is the Jeff Fisher Show 
on the Blaze Radio Network. Is the Jeff Fisher Show? So I'm still reading about uh, Russia and the occult, and because uh, I'm just fascinated by this stupid story, they're going on telling me about different people. So the one guy, the most famous, um, confessing uh, one guy they got for including removing skull and bones from two graves to uh, perform magic rites. Stealing metal plates from headstones to make knives to perform rituals. Um, even more disturbing. They encourage its members to join the force. You know, the police force. To extend its evil influence. It is not how many Satans were successful in filtering the police department, but... We know of one. That's the first one we told you about. But this particular man, the most famous monk, Grigory Rasputin, I can say that. I can say that there name. That there is Greg. I'm Grigory Rasputin. I just call you Greg. Born to a peasant family in the frozen wilds of Siberia, it was said he could read minds and heal animals by the time he was 10. Nice. Rasputin joined a Russian Orthodox cult that it believed its members needed to experience sin. And while Rasputin loved drinking and violent sex with society women at bathhouses, he said, hey, that sounds good. I'm joining you. So if you like drinking and violent sex with society women in bathhouses across the country or across the world, uh, you know, wherever you live, but specifically in Moscow, you too, like Grigory Rasputin, can join the Russian Orthodox cult. <laughs> Can't you just have drink and have violent sex anymore? You got to join a cult. Really? Come on now. Can I just do that? If I if I want to have booze and violent sex with society women in Moscow bathhouses, do I have to join the cult? I really don't want to be a part of the part of the cult. Eventually, Rasputin captured the attention of uh, the last Tsar Nicholas, its wife Alexandria. By suppose he healed their son. Think about it. So Tsar Nicholas could not do a thing. Uh, treating his hemophilia. Oh, uh, there are numerous theories on how he did this. Uh, you know, hypnotizing the kid, the young prince, giving him urge. But uh, others believe Rasputin took a more devious approach, using inside information leaked by Alexandra's lady in waiting to time his treatments when the prince was already on the road to recovery and then claimed credit. How dare he? You mean a man? who joined the Russian Orthodox cult so it would give him a glad hand when he had sex and was drunk? He fooled somebody? Huh. So anyway, uh, the the Tsar couldn't do anything because the wife was all 
the wife uh, was all happy that the kid was alive. So the czar was like, uh, leave him be. If I do something to the old Rasputin, the wife's going to be pissed. So guess what? He healed our son. Got it? Leave him alone. <laughs> and there's more it goes on. A former, and I mean, the most successful, most successful guy. Anatoly Kaspervosky. I may have actually heard of this guy. A former weightlifter turned psychiatrist and psychic dubbed the new Rasputin. At the height of his fame, regularly beat Yelston into second place in public popularity polls. Think about that. Boris, head guy. Anatoly. Nope. Uh, People like me more, Boris. You want to know why? Because I'm a cultist. And I like to get drunk and have wild sex with society women in bathhouses. He had to join the cult too. See, I don't want to join the cult. His great rival, and who doesn't? I mean, when you're a cultist, you have to have rivals. Alan Chamak, a white-haired figure who would claim, oh, claim to charge jars of water in his viewers' homes with the power to heal everything from allergies to stomach pains. I love this guy. He's on TV. Put the bottle put the bottle of water in front of the television and I will power charge it to heal you. That's fantastic. Come on now. Now I'm not going to do it unless you send me some money. All right? I'll give you a little sh- look. Put it in front of the TV. I uh, here I tell you what, since we're not on TV for this show, put it in front of the whatever device you're listening to the show on. Set a bottle of water in front of it right now, okay? And I'm going to charge it with the powers that can Heal from everything to allergies and stomach pains. What I want you to do is I want you to stare at the jar of water and I want you to think of what you want healed. Okay? Look at the bottle of water and I want you to focus in your mind. In your mind's eye. Focus on what you need to have healed. Just think about what you want to have healed. Now the jar of water is in front of the listening device and you're focusing on just what you want to have healed. Okay, I'm going to charge that jar of water now with the powers the powers so you This is the Jeff Fisher show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show returns on the Blaze Radio Network. That it does. 888-900-3393 is the phone number. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride today. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at JeffyMRA. Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. Instagram at JeffyMRA. Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland has issued a state of emergency. 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 All hands on deck. Okay. 
You want to know what the problem is? Heroin. <laughs> you thought I was going to be something stupid, didn't you? Don't look at me like that. Yeah, I know you. I know what you were thinking. I do. <laughs> wow. Are you so wrong? How bad do you feel now? Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. People are dying out there overdosing on heroin and other opioids. Okay. And that's actually a fact. Maryland. Maryland. 1,468 overdose related deaths from January to September of last year. Okay. Now that beat out 2015 where they had 1,259 overdoses. Now probably most of that is Baltimore. And we did find, you know, in the Midwest, in Ohio and Pennsylvania, where they were having big problems with what the heroin was being cut with, um, that, hey, it's okay to do heroin. It's just what it's being cut with that's killing you, okay? Uh, so, I mean, it's a big problem, uh, well, really across the country now. I mean, heroin is, the, the stories all say how cheap it is. Uh, and now that they're cutting it with some other with some other stuff, I mean, that's what, then that, really is what's killing you. It's too strong, the stuff they're cutting it with. Because the strong stuff is cheap. They don't care. And we killed a few of our customers. You know what? That's the way it goes. It's the way it goes. And you join a cult and you go to the bathhouse. I mean, get over it. So if you live in Maryland, um, bless you. Bless you 666 times. Now, a well-known astronomer, a well-known astronomer, Bill, and top alien hunter. (laughs) Okay, first of all, if your title, I don't care if you're doctor, road scholar, I don't care what kind of little platitudes you have in front of your name. If one of them is top alien hunter, that pretty much disregards all the other stuff. Sorry to tell you that, Seth Shostak, okay, director of the Search for Extraterrestrial Intelligence Institute. This guy is the director of SETI. Amazing. Life on Earth could be a byproduct of what has been happening on Mars. Wait. He believes that a great collision of an asteroid and Mars sent dirt hurling toward the Earth. It's possible. Billions of years ago, tiny bits of biology quit the red planet and infected ours. It didn't just show up, it infected. It infected the Earth. We're infected with Martian dust. If that was the case, then every other life form here on Earth has its deep roots, not in the old oceans of the planet, but rather in the extinguished seas of Mars. Stay tuned next week when Seth takes us behind the scenes of SETI. Okay, if that's true, and let's say he's right. Let's say that Seth, who is... The director of SETI, and that's a you know pretty reputable institute. Yeah. Uh, let's say that that is true. Where do you think most of the Mars dust ended up? Oh, I know, I know, I know. Florida. 
ChuckInFlorida.com on the broadcast. How are you, sir? Greetings, Jeffy from Florida. This is Chuck in Florida, well-known alien hunter. Uh, see? Just disregard everything. <laughs> what's up? <laughs> Tell us about the Mars. What, what's infected? Uh, what, what people have been infected by the Mars dust? Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, the, the Mars dust must have found its way onto a Petri dish here because now they have rat brain cells that can fly autopilot on computer simulators for, for jet fighters. Nice. Yeah, That's, that's world cool. class. That is cool. And I'm not going, no, 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 no. If we're using rat brains to fly jet, I want the jet pilots to have everything they can, man. You know, they they should fully equip the rat brain. You're absolutely right. (laughs) Absolutely. I have no problem with using rat brains. Now, Peter will will be pissed. This is a very long article, but I, I, I can summarize it pretty much by saying that this guy takes rat brain cells and puts them together in a way that they can perform simple tasks. So I don't think it's really ready for, you know, putting a, a suit on it and, and throwing it inside the cockpit and letting it fly the plane. But it does fly the simulator, which is pretty astonishing when you think about it because he has like 25,000 brain cells all cooperating. It's not like he just pulled the brain out of the skull of a rat and said, here, go fly, you know. No, he just took a bunch of different brains and put them together and said, here, go fly. Mixed them in a blender. There you go. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you know. And, that's and of too good. No, this- that's too good. That's helping people. It is helping that's people. That's helping people. I mean, right? really. I mean, people, they're taking away our jobs. No, they're helping you. They're keeping you safe with rat brains. Shut up. But right. I want. We're, I want we're to... already flying drones, and drones are difficult because you still have people, and there there's communication <sighs> lag time. And I all hate kinds people. Of... I right? hate people. Well, no, we're trying to keep them safe, Jeffy. That's yeah, the whole. Whatever. Point. I don't care. I don't like them. I don't like people <laughs> at all. I want to. I want to get rid of them all. Just I do. Down with people. I de- I blue, hate people. Blue on people, right? So that's tell us about some got... people that actually were infected with Mars dust, though. Well, it's got to be this guy who steals his father's checks to pay for prostitutes, right? I, I mean, mean, here's a guy, his 89-year-old father is losing his memory and can't uh, handle the house. So this guy, Charles Perrin, 61, he he kind of takes over for dad and, and pays the bills and just, you know, siphons off a little on the top to pay for expensive trips and prostitutes. I mean, the bills are getting paid. Apparently, I mean, it's not like they're it, kicking it dad out. They're not kicking dad out on the curb, right? Yeah, he's. It's not like he's living in some nursing home where they don't really care about him, you know. Well, first of all, I think that's a common misnomer these days. Most uh, adult care facilities are pretty nice. <laughs> yeah. Okay? Seriously, I'm, I'm not. No, no joke. Now, just aside from that, I'm sure. getting. I'm getting a little. I I think I should be a spokesman for the national uh, old people's home association or whatever the hell they call themselves because they get a bad rap. <laughs> Well, they, they get you're a right, bad they rap. do. I, I have actually worked in one when I was a much younger man and doing maintenance, that? and, and they are. That? Yeah, I did. Uh, I did maintenance there too, Chuck. Yeah, I'm just here for the ladies. You know what I'm saying? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. No, it's it's really a nice uh, way to kind of spend your twilight years if you have nobody else around, or even if you do. And, you know, you can't really take care of your, your family and, and the old elderly and, and all that. Sometimes I mean, it's very difficult. Exactly. It gets very difficult. They have health you need issues. Help. They yes. need constant care. They have nurses 24-7. So I, on, behalf of, on behalf of adult care facilities across America, I say uh, bah humbug to chuckinflorida.com saying bad things about it. <laughs> it's not like they live in a home somewhere. I mean, I, I, 
However, I will say that if he were living in a home, it'd be tougher for the son to siphon some cash off for the hookers and blow. Right. So yeah, if you're gonna go take a trip on dad's money, you, yeah. you know, and he's already in the nursing you got, home. You I got mean, it. You got to do it before the home comes. That's right. So, but That's he right. is paying the bills anyway. I mean, the, the dad has got a house. Well, he did right. for a while. I mean, he took over dad's uh, expenses, but I think they finally caught up with him. <laughs> they, they, he's been charged with larceny and exploitation of the elderly. He's supposed to do it for free. $10, he's supposed to take care of his dad for free. I mean, everybody needs a break now and again. I right? mean, he's supposed to. That's, that's payment. Yeah. Yeah. What? The, who the hell are you telling me what I could do with my money? I I hate America today, and you know what else I hate? People. It was, it was his dad's money. He's living people. off dad's checks. I hate people. No, he was taking a fee for paying his father's bills and making sure things were taken care of. I should. However this, you want to spend it, whatever makes attorney. you comfortable. Yeah, I got it. Really, I just need a fee. And what he does with it? Okay, sorry. Uh, he didn't. He didn't take the kids to uh, Chuck E. Cheese. He went down and we got some hookers and blow. Sorry. Okay. I know you can't fault the guy, Jeffy. I understand, really. This is me off. Go ahead, Doug. All right. I hate Florida man is arrested for allegedly impersonating Nickelback drummer Daniel Adair. Is that the guy that hung himself? Oh, no, that was another band. No, he's still around. (laughs) This guy, the the Nickelback drummer, Mr. Daniel Adair, was impersonated by this guy, uh, Koenig, who apparently purchased $25,000 worth of musical equipment in microphones and drum kit and so forth that he ordered from a manufacturer in Vienna, Austria and had them delivered to his Florida address. Um, Yeah. So what, he's walking around and they go, hey, are you the Nickelback guy? I sure am. This guy goes by Mr. Wookie, and if you look at his picture, it's pretty obvious why. Uh, He does not look anything like Daniel Adair. I mean, not even close but apparently he somehow had a picture of his drum kit that looked just like uh, the Nickelback drummers. And uh, they managed to send him $25,000 worth of brand new gear without verifying, apparently, who this guy was. Cause was he supposed they're, to? They're calling the cops on why Why haven't we got paid yet. What's the deal Oh, he here? was supposed to be paid. Yeah, they, they sent it to be paid. And he's, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. look, businesses do that all the time, right? I mean, it's it's up to the business to say, hey, you know, this guy, we want to do business with him. I think he's the Nickelback guy. So they send him a bunch of stuff thinking, you know, uh, obviously yeah. Nickelback has made a little bit of money. And they'll be able to pay for it, right? Uh, I'm not, I, I, I kind of like some of their music, but they, they're easy to hate. Yes, they uh, are. They're, they're very they're easy Canadian, to hate. So right? I would say that uh, I would blame Nickelback and make them pay for it. Well, apparently uh, Koenig was sentenced to three years in prison earlier for fraudulently collecting oh. $78,000 in 2007 from some other scam he pulled. And uh, apparently Has Nickelback, Nickelback again? none of it. Was no, the other no, scam Nickelback again? No, he scammed somebody else apparently, but Nickelback was having none of it. They actually called the cops when uh, the of company tried to collect from them. So. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's... I love how the last line of this article is actually kind of a uh, promo for the tour coming up. Uh, the new tour from Nickelback, the trek kicks off June 23rd in Noblesville, Indiana. Of course. And, you know, being from Midwest like that, I don't even know where the hell Noblesville, Indiana is. That's pretty sad that Nickelback is starting their tour there, but, you know. <laughs> we'll find out where that is. I bet you that's like outside of uh, Indianapolis or something. Noblesville. It has to be. Yeah, uh, it, you know, there are a lot a, of little communities yes, around Indy. Yeah. Yes. And, and that's, that's <laughs> it just made me think. Right. I know. I understand. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that's the one thing where the groups, it's, they like more intimate crowds now. Uh-huh. That means yeah. they can't fill the big ones. 
Right. Uh, no, no, we want to we want a one on one with our audience. Yeah, acoust- yeah, that's what I figured. It's just outside of Indianapolis. So yeah. There so you go. bite me, Chuck. Okay, man. Do I hate people? <laughs> I freaking hate people, man. Is there any more? Tell us how we feel. Libertarian candidate. You're gonna love this one. A libertarian candidate in Florida drinks goat's blood, uses LSD, and he's angry that the party wouldn't back him for Senate. I know. I, I love this guy. That's Augustus the that's the yeah that's Augustus Soul Invictus. Yeah, yeah I, you've heard this story. I didn't. I, I didn't see this. Apparently, it escaped my radar, and I'm I'm really disappointed because yeah, this he's is it's actually this, actually he did this a while ago. He did right? this last year. He yeah, started yeah, yeah. this whole campaign. And, Chuck of Florida.com, uh, man, you need to get up to speed, bro. Well, I guess it, it, it had some sort I mean, of resurgence recently because now he's contacted the National Libertarian Party, accusing them of being in bed with communists. And uh, he's saying that he's going to dispute the, the uh, uh, I guess, the uh, election results from his Senate run. Um, apparently, uh, Stanton won, and uh, he was really upset about it. Good and, luck. Augusta. Yeah. I mean, he yeah. should. Well, I mean, you can't take the Libertarian Party seriously when you have somebody like uh, Vermin Supreme as a candidate who wears a boot on his head. I love And I love the guy, Vermin John Supreme, McAfee, man. who, you know, is a well known murderer, right? Or at least allegedly. Uh, thank you. I, uh, I thank you. That has never been proven. I know the old documentary makes it seem like he did it, but that's never <laughs> been. He's never been arrested for that. Okay, pal? Right. Yeah. Well, right. you know. So I, I, I did some work for that guy. Once. So what? He was the last one to see the guy. And so what? That he right. said that he would kill the guy's dogs the night before. So what? Yeah. No no proof there, right? But really, Augustus had just joined, joined the Russian Orthodox cult. Because, yeah. I mean, if he, yeah, likes to dr- if he likes to drink goat blood and party. Because if you like to drink, have violent sex at uh, in bathhouses, and, and you know, Orthodox Carb six sixty six is in with knives and right, right. I mean, yeah. it's all tied together when you look at it. What's in the news every day now? We're talking about the Russians and how they're invading the political parties here and how they've managed to mess with the elections. Chuck in Florida dot com. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jeff Fisher Show on the Buck Blaze Sexton Radio promo. Network. Listen to that Buck Sexton promo. Talk about spilling coffee on uh, equipment. Uh, brings back a, f- a flood of memories. Not that I've ever spilled coffee on equipment before. But you like it. You want to have coffee that's black. The engineers get really mad at you and angry at you, but if it's black, they can fix it. It's the milk and sugar that cakes up all the, cakes up all the wiring that makes it even that horrible. But I have spilled coffee on... Uh, uh, man, I've shut a network down, man. You spill coffee, on, and, you, and he's right with the slow motion because you watch that coffee spill, and it goes over the edge, and it drops, and you can see the coffee hit the electronic device and then pop up, you know, like you see the pictures in the movies, and you're like, no. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Only on the Blaze Radio Network.
was a success. Begin Life Force reboot program now. Stand clear. Life signs stable. It's alive. Set it loose. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Howdy, welcome to it. Oh, I started, oh man, I almost, I wasn't <laughs> even trying. Hi, how are you? How, uh, how the hell are you? Good to see you. I'm not even trying. Thanks for uh, coming along for the ride today. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. You can follow me on Twitter at JeffMRA. Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio. And, of course, Instagram. Yeah, you heard me. Instagram at JeffMRA. Okay. Now we have a segment here that I'd like to like to talk about. I, I was looking at these stories, and all of a sudden, I realized that hey, they're all about sex. Every single one of them. And no, I know I'm not talking about the special occult where you you know get drunk and have wild sex with ladies at the bathhouse. Although it's pretty close. Uh, sex is important too. Okay, I mean, let's be clear. All jokes aside, right? Right. You know I'm right. And that's why we're going to run through some of these stories here just to let you know what's going on across America sexually. Teens and older adults in America are shifting to virtual sex, choosing pornography because it's less risky than actually Having sex. Yeah. No kidding. In the study, the porn phenomenon. And who didn't read that word for word? The only area of growth area why young and older men and women are turning to porn is because they believe a picture or a video is safer than the real thing. Now, while that is true, Sooner or later, you need a little human contact in your life, don't you? Come on now. I realize that's where we're headed. I know we are. I know we're going we're gonna to not have any children anymore. We're going to be dying for the robots to make us have kids. We're going to be dying for, oh, my God, those are the people over there that touch other people. Ooh. Ooh. We don't want to deal with those people. Go the other way. Seriously, I know we're headed that way. And I, I kind of don't blame you. I mean... In, in virtual reality, everything happens perfectly, right? You don't, you don't get turned down. You don't get said, ooh, no, don't touch me. Or not now. And Ow! Oh, sorry. I mean, you don't get any of that, right? It's all perfect. And it all ends uh, happy, happy, and then you can go and eat your TV dinner. I mean, it's all good. Right? So I get it. But we do have to have a little human contact from time to time. Don't you think? Uh, Yeah, I think so. But then you have, uh, this is why you have people like the Swedish politician who thinks that people would be happier with sex breaks at work. I could not agree more. However, that's not exactly what he's talking about. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Look, hey, 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 I'm not him. Now you think to yourself, oh, yeah. Sex break at work. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
And I'm thinking about sex break at work with Billy from accounting. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's what you're thinking of. I know. But he's not. He's talking about going home. He's talking about uh, we don't spend enough time together as couples. So you take a break during the day, go home, have sex, come back to work. Okay. While that sounds good, I'll grant you, A, what's going to happen is it's going to be Millie from accounting. Okay. Yeah, we we went home. Or it's going to be, um, yeah, I went home and uh, I'm having so much fun with my wife, I'm not coming back. So you lose productivity. Uh, or you get home and the wife says, yeah, not today. <laughs> I had too much work to do. I stayed at work. Clean the house. <laughs> That'd be a good way to get the house clean, though. You don't. You do that, not the wife. Yep, I'm coming home, honey. Meet you there. Oh, honey, I'm here. Oh man, you know what? Um, I was on my way out the door, and my boss snagged me, and I had a meeting, and then I had to do this, and I'm so sorry. You're there. Yeah, you might as well just clean the house, huh? It'd go over great, I think. All right, I think it would go over great. Hey, why don't you just clean the house, honey? <laughs> and of course, that brings on, you know, everybody thinking that they have uh, great reasons. The ultimate workout happens between the sheets. Exercise. So you can read that on your own. I'm not going to go through the 657 reasons that under the between the sheets is great. I think you know most of them. And then you have churches like the North Carolina church that has some different ways of thinking about sex and relationships. Uh, The word of faith fellowship members must follow strict, and in this story they consider it unusual rules, or risk severe punishment yeah. You need permission from leader Jane Whaley and other ministers to get married, and that can take months or even a year before the newlyweds are allowed to have sex. You need permission. <laughs> yeah. And most relationships and marriages are arranged by Whaley and the ministers. So you don't get to choose. A, who you're going to get married and have sex with. B, once they pick Mary Beth. (laughs) I think we all know what Mary Beth looks like. Uh, You can't even have sex with, you can't even think, well, okay, well, whatever. I mean, I'm here and she's here. All right, go ahead. You can't even do that. You got to wait for them to say, go ahead. So on their wedding night, couples are permitted only a godly peck on the cheek. When they get in bed together, they must roll over and go to sleep. Right. Did they check? I bet you they check. I bet you the, the church of, uh, the church of no sex. What is this called again? The word of faith, word of faith fellowship. For all married couples, lovemaking is limited to 30 minutes. No foreplay. The lights must be turned off. 
and only the missionary position is sanctioned. Come on now. I mean, I'm all for the lights being off. Trust me. But come on now. Come on now. Word of what's her name again? Word of Faith Fellowship. Come on now. You're killing me. You're killing me. And we get this information from former members. Big surprise. I'm sure membership is dwindling. Couples need permission from church leadership to have children. Leaders dole out condoms and make sure unapproved women don't get pregnant. That might not be that might not be so bad. That might not be so bad. I mean, how many times have you said to yourself, they let that person have a child? I mean, for real. You walk through the store. You know, you, you're, you're walking through the store. You're pushing the car. And you're going, holy crap. Why did they have kids? I mean, I know they said about me. I know it gets said about me. I guarantee it. You see me walking around. People are going, oh, my gosh. He has children. I know it's being said. So, I mean, that might not be a bad thing. The former followers said couples violating the rules can be publicly rebuked, subjected to violence, or forced to separate. Word of faith fellowship ain't messing around, man. We told you, uh, turn the light off, do a missionary style, and be done in 30 minutes. I mean, I'm almost okay with that now that I say it out loud like that. It's like, fine. I don't even have to take 30 minutes. Just turn the lights off. We're done. I can roll over and go to sleep. I'm almost okay with it. But I want to get pregnant. Yeah, no, they said not you. I got to go to sleep. Uh, you know, whatever. Is there make sure when the coffee maker's on and my lunch is ready to go because I got to go to sleep and go to work tomorrow. I mean, I'm almost okay with it, right? No? Not right? Okay. What could happen, though, is, uh, you know, it's possible. Uh, like a woman in Scottsdale, Arizona, has been arrested because, uh, well, they were they were having sex, and uh, he wouldn't look at her. She was, <laughs> and uh, since uh, I mean, dude, you should have looked. You should have looked at her. Now I understand the philosophy behind not wanting to look at the girl's face. I mean, you're supposed to, you know, take out the trash. You're doing stuff around the house. You're working on the car. You're supposed to be thinking about other things. Cause then if you look in the eyes, you're done. I got that philosophy. It's over. I understand that philosophy a hundred percent. But when the female says, look at me, and you don't, especially if you're this, you you know the females that you're with, okay? We've all been with the females that are, you know, the, uh, the Joni Tonys of the world. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's right. Yeah. The Marys and the Mays. I mean, uh, oh no, that's that's not Mary. No, 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 no. I'm Tony tonight. Yeah, I mean, 
So when Tony says, look at me, you should probably look. Because you end up like, when Shania Jones said, look at me, you should have. You should have. Shania, I mean, come on. First of all, name Shania Jones, you know. And you look at her, you know she, I mean, split second, she's off. I have no idea who this woman is. I'm just looking at the picture. But she decided that you're not going to look at me. I'm getting my knife and I'm going to cut your penis off. Yay! You wish you would have looked at her, don't you? No, you ain't lying. <laughs> uh, got up, grabbed the kitchen knife, sliced it up. So, fortunately, I guess, I guess, uh, I guess they got it caught in time before he passed out. And I mean, that's doing some serious rehab, though. I don't want to, you know, how's rehab coming? Fine. <laughs> Do we need it? No. <laughs> I mean, come on. No, thank you. And when Shania calls, I'm coming over. No, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Does make you wish you'd have looked at her, though, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And then, of course, we have uh, the reality show da- Dating Naked. Now, that's something, you know, we're always told about uh, we should eat naked, right? So we should should eat naked so you're actually, you see yourself in the mirror and you go, and, you know, I mean, first of all, clothes or no clothes, I'm looking at me in the mirror. I got it. I understand. But naked, you're supposed to be able to, you know, if if you get naked and you sit at the table with a mirror, even if you don't have a mirror, I mean, you sit down naked at a table, I mean, woof. Right? I mean, you're you're barely going to... You're either going to finish it and say you didn't care. Uh, yup, that's me. Bring me another chicken. Or you're going to push it away. Right? You're just like, no thank you. I can't sit here like look like this. Because really, at some point in your life... We talked about this a little bit last week. At some point when you decide, yep, you know, I'm going to be 800 pounds. But really, th- there is a point. When you you know you're not going to be the six seven eight hundred pound person, but you do know, as like it or not, look, this is as good as it gets right here. You want a piece of this? So, when you reach the point of look, this is as good as it gets. You're finishing the plate at the table, whether you're naked or not. Here we go. This is the Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. Hey, sex is important segment still continues. One, uh, well, I'll leave you with one final story here. Uh, Amanda and Chad both come from conservative religious families. The couple has been in a relationship for eight years. They married when Amanda was only 18 and Chad was 21. Now they have two sons. 
we went to the same church. Our families were friends with each other. So we kind of had that small town Americana love story. Boy meets girl. They get married young. They have kids young. My family life was the definition of traditional. That all changed four years ago after they got married. Chad met a man named Jeremy. Both Chad and Jeremy worked at the church together, and they eventually became best friends. Then, Jeremy fell in love with Amanda. So not only did Chad become friends with Jeremy, so did Amanda. When I first realized I had feelings for my best friend's wife, I knew that it was just something that I had to deal with. The more time I spent with Amanda, the more I realized what an amazing person she is. And I just fell in love. Wanting to come clean to his best friend, Jeremy told Chad that he had feelings for his wife. This is me now. Usually not a good idea. Okay? This is just me. I would, if you were to say, hey, Jeff, should I tell the wife or should I tell the husband? I would say no. But Jeremy would not have that. Jeremy would not have that. He's telling Chad, his best friend. I did not expect what Jeremy had said to come out of his mouth, said Chad. Yeah, no kidding. Duh. He understood what Amanda and I were, what our family was. He wanted to join that. It did feel in a lot of ways that my entire foundation had been pulled out from underneath me. You think? However, instead of lashing out, he found a way to deal with it. With the new love triangle. They formed a relationship that included all three. Oh my gosh. Falling in love with Jeremy was easy, said Amanda. And while it was and still is scary to fall in love with another man while still being legally married to my first husband. We three have been making it work for the last two years. Now, one of the ways that they've been making it work, and I, I find this fascinating, not as if the rest of it isn't. Amanda is a paralegal for the government and the family's breadwinner. How great is that? These two guys have figured out a way to be with the same woman, and she's the one footing the bill. That is outstanding. Chad and Jeremy are stay-at-home dads. The relationship has not been without its challenges. Chad has his own fears of not being as important to Amanda as he once was, and now that Jeremy is in the picture. But, hey, we both receive equal amount of time with Amanda. The trio began keeping a schedule. One night, Amanda sleeps with Chad, the next with Jeremy. On the third night, we all sleep together. They make a point of saying Amanda's in the middle. That would probably end soon. The first three months... I can't... I gotta tell you. I mean, it's hard enough getting a threesome. But if you got two guys that could be with one woman and she's footing the bill, damn. That's... That's genius. The Jeff Fisher Show. The Blaze Radio Network.
The Jeff Fisher Show. All right, so I'm in the break and I'm hearing what's her face do her spot for uh, a place for mom. What's her name? I can't remember her silly name. Uh, Joan, 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 Joan London. Joan. Is that right? Joan London? Yeah. Joan Crawford's dead. Um, and who knows? Then the other Joan is. Uh, look at her when she says to have sex with her, okay? Because it's off. Having a having a problem finding a place for mom. And what's the name of the place? A place for mom.com or whatever. I think that's the name of the place. I think we create a, a place where, because I, I already, look, I already gave a great promotion saying that I believe that the adult care facilities were actually better than they get the rap for. I've already gotten one tweet telling me I'm full of crap. That we've put my, my parents in and out of them and they're horrible. Okay. Well, maybe I could create a horrible place and just live with it, right? So you, it's cheap. Because most people, you know, they don't want to spend the money. The one guy's already in trouble. He's siphoning money off. He's letting his dad stay in his his own house. He's paying his bills. He takes a couple bucks after paying the bills for hookers and blow, and they're pissed at him? Come on now. Come on. Dad, there's TV dinners in the fridge. The house paid for. The power's on. Watch a little TV. You go to the bathroom. You go to bed. I'm taking a little extra on the side here because I'm out of here for a weekend, okay? I'm going to the casino. We got hookers and blow. And you're paying for it. Bye. I mean, that can't be. Come on now. So maybe we come up with, you know, like a hole for mom. Right? Having a problem paying. Having a problem paying for a place for your parents to live. Stop worrying. A hole for mom. I think so. I think that's what I think we're going to create that. I don't think anybody would be upset about it ever. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, this is a stupid morning show bit, right? A hole for mom. And there's you can write your own jokes on top of it. Okay? I mean, you can just take it wherever you want to take it. I'm just telling you, I'm talking about a nerd. You know, a place for them to live. This Is this thing over yet? Because I've had just about it. My day is spent. I mean, we've got Earth-sized planets. I don't even know what to talk to you about anymore. Oh, you know what we can talk about? A couple things. A, let's talk sports, but really not sports. Sports, but sports. Colin Kaepernick has decided he's got his new manager. He's a free agent now in the NFL. Uh, not going to play for the San Francisco 49ers. And he said, hey, his manager came out and said, look, uh, Colin's going to stand during the National Anthem this year. And uh-huh. Too late, Colin. Too late. I mean, I don't want you to be homeless, but you could stay at a hole for mom. Okay, you could stay there. That's about the best I want for you. Uh, way too late. Nobody's going to believe you. Good luck. God bless. Now, there's probably going to be a team that takes you because that's the NFL. Good for them. They can do what they want. But for you to ever be the Colin Kaepernick that you once were, is over, Colin. Don't try to get it back. You're done. Take your big afro and your Black Lives Matter girlfriend from New York and do your whole anti-America thing. Go ahead. And how oppressed you are, how oppressed you are that a family actually adopted you and raised you and, 
and got you an education good enough to play in the NFL and make millions of dollars, you tell us more and more how oppressed you are, okay? Because your days are done. Nobody believes you and nobody cares about you except for maybe your Black Lives Matter girlfriend. And I'd be willing to bet that she probably doesn't care that much for you. But that's just me. And then I heard Opelka mention Reggie Bush. Now, Reggie, you remember Reggie, he's in trouble here, but I remember Reggie, he was in trouble at USC. I mean, what's-his-face left USC? The Seattle head coach left USC after Reggie Bush because he was giving his parents houses and cars. Reggie was getting cash to play at USC. I mean, he... He paid the bill. He got the Heisman Trophy, right? I mean, he he became he was Reggie Bush, but I mean that was why. Uh, can I think of the head coach's name for Seattle? Who was USC's coach? And it doesn't matter. He's uh, he's the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, and he was the head coach of USC. And I'm sure that he left on his own, and there was never any kind of thing. I'm just reading between the lines, and nothing ever really happened like that. Uh huh. There's no way that he would just up and leave USC without a better offer to go to the NFL, Seattle, leave. He wouldn't. He just had enough. It was time for him to move on, and it was just that was the time for the decision. Okay. So anyway, Reggie. Uh, he's got the his wife's pregnant now, but Reggie uh, Reggie likes the women. Reggie, he's Reggie Bush. Right, I mean, he's been he's been Reggie Bush for a long time, and when you're Reggie Bush, he likes the women, and the women like you. Okay, so he's got the wife pregnant, but he's also now got a girlfriend, or I should, you know, I call her a girlfriend. Really, it's just a sex mate that claims that she had a kid that is now Reggie's. All right, now Reggie. Gave her three million to shut up. <laughs> hey Reggie, I think I'm pregnant with your kid. This is Jeff Fisher. Call me. You give me three million. I promise I'll never talk to you again. <laughs> of course. So he gives her three million with the the stipulation. Look, you don't talk about it, and you get an abortion. She agrees. She doesn't have an abortion. She has the kid and she starts talking about it. Come on now. Come on. That doesn't make Reggie any less of a of a dirt bag, I know, but I mean, he did at least try to deal, you know, he dealt with it. And he's got the wife that's pregnant. And uh, I know that there's some kind of there's some kind of Kardashian rumor with Reggie too, if I remember if I remember my E news post newscast history and um and but this girl now this girl what's her name uh i can't think of her silly name that went after reggie the girlfriend or the sex mate um she she's married all right now she is one of the females on earth that say "Ooh, a sports star have sex with me you know what? If I was a female, if I identified as a female at, a, at any time, I might be the same way. Today, I identify as a female. Hey, male sports star, have sex with me. I could do that. It's possible. It's possible. 
But she now is going after Reggie saying, you know, wants money, wants more money. Uh, no. How about that? How about no? Uh, and then they're afraid that it's not even his kid, by the way, because don't forget our, hey, I'm a hot woman. I want to have sex with sports star sex mate. She's apparently had sex with a, a, a list of other sports stars. And apparently now that the word is getting uh, out there, hubby is all wound up and wants, you know, they're having problems. I think that's, that's I don't think that's true. I bet you that's not true. I bet you that's a, that's a falsehood to try to make people feel bad for them. Because if I'm hubby and I know that my wife is out taking care of a little business with the sports guys, right? We're she got pregnant. She got three mil, a million bucks for this kid. I mean, I'm living large. I'm saying, hey, there's a basketball game in town. I'll see you next week. <laughs> you know, they're in town for a three day for a three day series. Why don't you uh, why don't you head out to the stadium? <laughs> three million for that? Come on. I mean, <laughs> you get a couple of days off. The wife is gone. She comes back a few months later. There's a check in the mail for two or three mil. That's a good life. That's a good life. So, I mean, it's almost baseball season. Don't you have to get out to spring training and make yourself known? Because, uh, man, it's getting late. Hello. Honey. I mean, that's good living right there. So, Reggie, I don't know what. I mean, he's just got a hard time. The wife's pregnant. He's put some through, put some through sometimes. He's on the tail end of his career. And he, he was great. He really was. He was great. And he, you know, I know he wasn't. Uh, I guess he really didn't pay off in the NFL too well, but he was pretty good in New Orleans. And he, you know, he was, good. He, was just, he was always fun to watch. But I feel, you know, you can't feel sorry for the guy. He's the one out messing around in his wife. But you do kind of feel sorry for him because he did own up to the fact. Okay, you told me you were pregnant with my kid. Okay. All right, so. Instead of saying, hey, prove it to me that it's my kid, he said, okay, so it's possible that it's my kid. Tell you what, I don't want to have it. I don't want you to be burdened with it. Have an abortion, and here's $3 million. She said okay. And now she's coming back on that deal and then expects Reggie to be all mushy-mushy and say, okay, I'll take care of the kid. No. I got to tell you, no. And if it comes back to his kid, I bet he does. Whether court ordered or not, I bet he does. Because he he obviously has, he's got other children, and he obviously paid the money up front that he didn't want the kid, but he has enough money, trust me. He's given this chick three mil to go have an abortion. Hey, Reggie, by the way, did I mention um, I'm pregnant with your child? So call me. This is The Jeff Fisher Show on the Blaze Radio Network. This is the Jeff Fisher Show. I don't, I don't know why. I could go into a camping story now, and I was actually thinking about doing it, but you know, I just, 
But one of the things I like about scout camps, just let me say this to you. One of the things that are one of my favorite things about scout camps, not scout camping, but just the scout camps in themselves, is that most of them, you get there and you go, hey, it's Bill Scout Camp. We're here. Yay. And you turn in. And then you drive and the, the Tarvey road that you were on stops being Tarvey. And you still have to drive for another 20 freaking minutes. On, <laughs> on gravel. And bumpy roads where the plows have come. I love scout camps. Did I mention that? Oh, then you get back there all the way back there where the camp is so beautiful. Oh, man. Look at that. And you go down a couple more hills around the... And you don't want to pull too far off the side of the road because there's some bushes there that have some some tongs in them that will give you cut right through rubber, give you a flat tire. There's nothing, no place else you want to change a flat tire than right there, the side of a mountain overlooking the beautiful lake, though. It's so beautiful. Anyway, so... Tuesday night, uh, President Trump spoke to the joint sessions of Congress and, uh, you know, the country. And uh, his ratings were, you know, I guess Trump will tell you his ratings were tremendous, but they, you know, they were pretty good. And he, and he was and he was fine. For Donald Trump, for the President of the United States, he was fine. He sounded great. He was found a presidential. Ugh, I got it. But at the same time in Fort Worth, not a lot of people showed up. Huh, I wonder... Why a lot of people didn't show up to the Fort Worth ISD Board of Trustees meeting <laughs> on a Tuesday night when the president is speaking? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you figure it out. Uh, they had a symbolic uh, measure uh, welcoming and being inclusive for all students and all families, regardless of their immigration status. More than 53,000 Fort Worth students. That's pretty amazing. More than 53,000 Fort Worth students identify as Hispanic. That's pretty, that's a big number. That's 63% of the district students. I mean, that's a big number. Now, several people commented. Uh, One of my favorite was this man who made a point of how he felt. No matter where you come from, the color of your skin, every child deserves that education. Yeah, you know what? No. You know what? No, no, no. No, no, they don't. I mean, every child, child, you know, should have it available to them. They don't necessarily deserve it, though. They just don't give it to them. And then my favorite. I've heard this lady could actually be uh, turned into one of my new favorite people in the entire country because she makes a point that is so heartfelt and from the gut and tells you exactly how how we should feel and, and why we should feel that way children just in my neighborhood are potentially laying their heads down at night worried about losing someone in their family to deportation wait what what was that baby 
potentially laying children just in my neighborhood, in neighborhood. are potentially laying their heads Hold down on. at night worried about losing someone in their family to deportation. Maybe you didn't hear my uh, gang story earlier today, but children in my neighborhood are potentially laying their heads down on their pillows at night worried that they could potentially be murdered by illegal immigrants. But hey, this is the Jeff Fisher Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network.